All right, it's Thanksgiving week, and we just want to say from our family to yours, Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the show, everyone. Welcome to Kyla's Q&A. I'm Justin Myrick, and recently, my son Drake said I need new intro music. So let's do this. Hey, Dad, how about some college questions? Let's hear them. Let's hear them. All right, we are rolling with our latest episode of College Questions. Again, thank you guys so much for listening in. If these podcasts are encouraging and inspiring to you, I would love it if you would share it with a friend. And certainly if someone comes to mind as you're listening to this, feel free to text them the link to the podcast so they can be encouraged as well. I'm excited about our question today, and I'm so excited about our guest that's joining us. Our question is, how can I have joy and contentment no matter the circumstances. This is fantastic. It's a great question. It's one I'm looking forward to explore. And the man that's joining us on the podcast today is a man that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. I've watched him over the years display a lot of joy and contentment, and I'm excited to hear what he has to say about it. So please welcome to the podcast, Will Barry. Will, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks for having me, Justin. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, it's been a joy just to, to get to know you and your wife and see how you serve with the running group that you did all those years and uh, just the joy that you have personally. So I'm, I'm really eager to hear what you have to share. Um, just what would you say to that question? You know, how can I have joy and contentment no matter the circumstances? Well, um, let's, let me just start out with what, what joy is okay, maybe. Good. And, uh, you know, we'll go with the dictionary definition first. All right. And uh, it says the emotion of, according to Merriam-Webster, it's the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. But that, to me, leaves something really lacking, from, especially from a biblical perspective. Okay. And so, because it seems like it's kind of based on what, on us. Mm. And I don't really think that's where joy comes from. Okay. To me, joy would be something more like knowing that God is in control of the details of my life, the assurance that everything is going to be all right and choosing to praise God in every situation and you know no matter what our circumstances are and you mm-hmm. see some great examples in the Bible of Paul doing that you know uh, mm-hmm. Philippians mm-hmm. I believe 4 4 4 or 4 uh, yeah 4 4 says rejoice in the Lord always I will say always rejoice and you look at where he was during that time he's he's sitting in prison and he's saying that and he's sitting in prison for for sharing the gospel with people and so i think that we kind of have a a different perception the world will tell us one thing about joy and contentment and the bible tells us another and so we don't want to get these two mixed up do you think that and and, well I'm, i'm curious your definition of contentment too because i think you know that's that's something i'd love to get into but i i was i as you talked i kept thinking about the link between those two you know, how they're connected. How would you define contentment? I think if you want to get really down to the roots and keep it simple. Yeah, let's keep it simple. Christ is enough. Okay. And it needs to, to mm. we need to always be Christ focused on him and instead of getting distracted. You know, so often um, we get distracted by all the things the world has to offer. And we have so many blessings that we have, mm. you know, uh, that the, 
the devil just distracts us with the things, the few things we don't like or the few things we don't have. And mm-hmm. it's like a like a magician distracts you mm-hmm. by uh, by distracting you over here by not looking what's going on over here. Mm-hmm. And so so often we have so so much to be thankful for. I mean, let's just start with with Christ paying the penalty for our sin on the cross so that mm-hmm. we could spend an eternity with Him, and we lose focus of that for something something really trivial that That's can good. really uh, just take away the the joy we feel. And, and you know, talk, the Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. love, joy, mm-hmm. peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And against these things, there is no law. A Christian should be, shouldn't be walking around overflowing with grumpiness. We should be walking around <laughs> yeah. overflowing with joy. I mean, who mm-hmm. wants to... We're not going to be very pleasant. You know, we are, you know, Acts 1 8, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive mm. power. When the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I don't really think anybody wants to hear a grumpy person witnessing to mm. him. We want to be, you know, we want to be pleasant to be around because it's going to be a lot. If you're enjoyable to be around, you're going to have a lot more opportunity to, yeah, to you share definitely with earn, others. Yeah, you earn favor with people and they want to hear from you. They're They're open to listen to you. You've kind of earned that. You know, I love your simple definition of, hey, Christ is enough. That's a great phrase. If if listeners just, I, that's what I want to take away from this. At its core, Christ is enough because I feel like in our life, you know, it's kind of like the garden you know, when, when Satan is whispering, you know, did God really say? It's almost like in this context, he, he could whisper in our minds that thought, is Christ really enough? Look at all this you want. Look at all this you need, even though you don't, right? But But that's the thought that we have that we have to wrestle with. So having that truth reign in our mind of Christ is enough. I love the simplicity of that. Okay. So, so that's healthy for me to hear. I think that's healthy for listeners. Christ is enough. There are things that I'm going to want that I think I'm going to need when the truth is I've got what I need. I've, I've got everything. What well, you mentioned, um, there's a verse I thought of when you started talking about, the world and the things of the world. What's the scripture for you brought nothing into this world and you will take nothing out of it. I don't know where that is. I don't remember which one that is. I'll have either, to look but... that up, but that's a powerful verse because it's so true. And I, I want to say it's, I'll look it up. It's, it's, um, I just love the simplicity of that. You brought nothing into this world. You will take nothing out of it. I'm going to search it right now. How about First Timothy? All right. But godliness with First Timothy that's six. That's it. That's it. But godliness with it. contentment is great gain. Come on. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we had food, food and clothing, we will be content with that. For godliness and contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we'll take nothing. I mean, I don't know about you. That's refreshing to say, to hear, to read. I mean, this is the power of God's word being living and active, right? Because so much of our culture in particular, I think in American culture, contentment's not a word people are familiar with. Contentment, what's that? It's all about getting as much as you can from the world. All about excess, more, more, more. More, more, more. And there's and that not no matter how much you have of whatever it is you're pursuing, there's never going to be enough to fill the there's, void that there's only Christ temporary can. happiness. But it'll fade the away. The cycle is, is that it fades quick. And you're still searching for the joy. It's kind of so like you, a, a child getting a, a new toy that eventually it's going to the it's going to wear it the 
fun of it and the novelty of it's going to wear off and this you're going to need more next time to there's never going to be enough it's a never-ending cycle and man it isn't it so freeing just to stop and be like all right godliness with contentment contentment is great gain for i brought nothing in this world i'll take nothing out of it and i love that It, it brings you back to the reality of christ is enough and i love that okay so let me ask you this because you brought up grumpiness and there's that scripture and, you know, do everything without complaining. And yet I think we all admit we struggle with this at times. In other words, it's possible for a believer to be grumpy. I think we have a lot of grumpy Christians running around. How does that happen? Right? Like how, how do we get to where Christ is enough? Like that is a true statement. And yet sometimes we forget that and we get caught up and we're not content. And we are wanting more. And to your point, I love your illustration of, Hey, Let's focus on what we do have. You know, I, I laugh. I think about my children at the dinner table. There's times when we'll bring them up and my wife will prepare a, a great meal with great vegetables and things like this. And they'll start crying for something else. And it's like, hey, I caught my, and it's like, God would remind me of this conversation, you know, and these scriptures we're looking at in the midst of me saying, hey, let's not focus on what you don't have. Let's enjoy what you do have. You've got a whole plate of food right there in front of you. And you're crying about something you don't have. Like, let's enjoy that. And I'm instantly, I'm thinking, okay, God, I see what you did there. And he'll remind me like, hey, this is you sometimes. You're you're whining and crying about what you don't have. And you just need to enjoy what I've given you. And that's a beautiful truth. So, but how do people get caught up in that? Why is it that we do get grumpy and we do forget that Christ is enough? Well, I think it, for, for me personally, I can say that you know, other than accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, the single bigger, biggest behavioral difference I've ever made in my life was sitting down every day and reading God's Word. Mm. And just sitting there and like, for me, it works out because my wife goes to work a little earlier than I do. So I'm able, when I'm eating breakfast every morning, to read God's Word. Mm. And, you know, you just mentioned eating. Well, you don't remember probably what you ate for breakfast a month ago today. Mm. But it sustained you. Just like God's Word, we may not always remember exactly what we read, but how many verses do you know? Do you remember exactly how the the memory, you know, the verses you have stored away? You probably mm-hmm. don't remember no. exactly where you learned them, but you know them, mm-hmm. and they sustained you. And getting into God's Word every day, spending time with God, praying, will sustain you and nourish you if you continually do it. You know, we always uh, Mallory always kind of jokes. I talk about the four Fs: the faith the family, the fitness, and the finances. And mm. I try to take those things pretty seriously mm. in that, you know, faith first and family. Yeah. But you look at anything with them, what your faith, your family, raising your children, mm. it's not mm. something that happens overnight. It's the consistency mm-hmm. of being consistent, being deliberate, and pouring into them every day. Your faith, like we just talked about, knowing knowing God's Word, you don't acquire that knowledge overnight. Mm. You do. I know you do, do some... Uh, some like work at Forza and yeah. jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I'm sure you've gotten better over time, but you're building and you're being consistent. You're being deliberate. Mm. You know, I don't know anybody that's saved for retirement overnight. And we mm. get into these things. We got to be consistent and have a, have a routine of consistently being focused on Christ and the things, you know, the teachings of his word and what that looks like. And it's going to be a process. It's like mm. getting in shape. Mm. You know, you're not going to be able to do it overnight. And like looking back on my life, I could, I've, there's been times in my life, you know, before I started having better spiritual habits where mm-hmm. I struggled with joy, I struggled with contentment. And I was, uh, you know, looking back before that, I 
before I started till now, I can see so many things the Lord has weeded out of my life over time. And mm-hmm. it, I don't remember like a, a, just a, you know, like a lightning bolt where it happened. Yeah. But God's word is just teaching me things that allows me to focus on him and focus on joy and contentment and not the distractions the world has to offer. That's really good. And I would identify, I think I have a similar story and it didn't happen overnight, but over time, cause you're right. I think there's a big challenge in the college years and the years shortly following college where you're fighting contentment versus discontent. And you're right. Being, you know, lacking contentment is miserable it's not fun because you can't even enjoy what you have. You can't focus on the relationships that are presently in front of you. Like it robs everything. It prevents joy and it blocks it out. And I like the simplicity and just the reality of, you know, I've often thought will in the last few years that following Jesus is extremely difficult, but it's not complicated and we make it complicated And I loved how you said, hey, if we're going to answer this question, how can I have joy and contentment no matter the circumstances? That can't happen if I'm not in God's word. There's no way it happens apart from the word. And you practically are saying, look, I've found a time for me and my life and my rhythm that this is where it happens at breakfast time. Maybe different for somebody else, but for us all to have that window of time where we're taking in God's word and can be reminded of these things, there's no way we're going to be content apart from it. And I love that. And I think that's healthy for us to hear. And I love your observation of how it sustains you and how, Hey, you may not remember what you read a month ago, but it's sustaining you. And that is a, that is an awesome picture of what God's word is doing. It makes me think of what Jesus said, man will not live on bread alone. He was quoting Deuteronomy, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, you know, and then there's that, you remember that verse he says, I I need to review some of these scriptures. I don't have this one memorized, but I do remember what he said. And it's just, it's one of those, I just feel like it's a ninja move, but he says, you know, the, the disciples and they're hungry and they're trying to get Jesus to eat. And he says, I have food to eat. You know, nothing about. And that phrase just gets me every time I have food to eat you know nothing about and i hope when i get to heaven i get i get to see the looks on their faces when he said that it's gonna be awesome powerful i mean you know they just you know at that moment i have to look at the text what happens next but you and you know in scripture it's amazing to me how you know the the timing of things you don't you know obviously god gave us exactly what we need but it it i think it's fun to think about the what's really happening here you know, and, and really picture this happening and real people here and real emotions are at stake. And for him to say that, I mean, they're, they're all they're thinking about is a physical thing. They're caught up in that. They're trying to help. Him, and he's like, Hey, and I wonder what the look on their faces was, but I really like your, uh, where you're going with this. And I think it's so healthy for us to hear that, Hey, Christ is enough. We got to stay in his word. If we're going to remember that and keep that in mind, it's going to help drive contentment in our life and joy. And those two things drive one another. And so, man, that's really powerful. I'm so glad that you're sharing those things. Yeah. And, and, and for me, like I said, that, that wasn't, there was a time where I struggled with that. And mm-hmm. I've, uh, I grew up in a house where, where we went to church and you mentioned p- people going to college. Well, you know, I grew up in a broken home. And so mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was going to a different church every other weekend, depending on which parent I was staying with. And, you know, I, Two out of every three college students get disconnected when they go 
off to college a lot of times, mm-hmm. and I was one of those people. And you know, I'm not proud to say it, but that's that's what happened. But I was I saw the Lord working that time, even though I really wasn't being obedient. Mm-hmm. And um, and as as I grew older, and and once I I just realized exactly what you were saying. There was no joy and contentment. I wasn't I wasn't attending church regularly. I wasn't getting in God's Word regularly. And you know, looking back on my life. Just the the comparison. There's there's no peace. There's no contentment. Mm. There's no there's no joy. And mm. you know the the one of the devil's biggest tools is distraction. And it doesn't always have to to look like that. But we can get so distracted with that aren't they're not always even bad things. Mm. There's a mm. lot of times it can be it could be whatever you like to do with your children. Yeah. But if it gets between you and God, mm. because it gets such a big piece of your life, whether it be sports, hunting. Uh, or whatever. I mean, but it yep. doesn't have to. We got to be on guard. I remember Tom Harmon saying one time, "If you give the devil a foothold, it'll become a stronghold." And we always have to be guarding that we don't get off track. It can be intentional disobedience, or sometimes it just starts mm. with taking our eye off the ball and taking our focus off of Christ and yep. letting letting the devil kind of, you know, move in just a little bit to where you start creating space between you and God. Mm. So we always have to be intentional with that to uh, where our focus is. Tell me about, you know, in fairness to our question, how can I have joy and contentment no matter the circumstances? You know, this is a difficult one because obviously, you know, I feel like so far I, I love how we've started this. Hey, Christ is enough. Let's remember we, we brought nothing into the world. We're taking nothing out of it. Let's focus on staying in the word. And I feel like that is um, easier to accomplish when things are going pretty well in life but as you and I both know sometimes you get hit with hard things and life's circumstances whether or not it was something dumb I did that caused some conflict in my life or consequences in my life or just the fact that or it's someone else because I feel like it's one of three things right either it's my sin that did something stupid that's causing problems someone else's sin that that I'm directly connected to that's causing problems or just the fact that the world's broken and it's crying out to be restored and it's not yet. And so sometimes things like cancer just happen. Like there's no explanation for that. It's just a horrible thing that we have to deal with. How do we have joy and contentment in those times? Because I love the question, no matter the circumstances, which means I think we've talked about when it's good, when life is good and we don't have any of those outside things that are really making life pressing on us, but when it does get hard and we are in the midst of a storm or a difficult situation, how do we have joy and contentment in those times? Is that possible? And if so, how? Well, number one, where do you turn when, you know, so often we, we, the things of the world, we can turn to all kinds of bad vices. We could, there's a ton of them. Or do we turn to Christ? I mean, is that, is he our first option or our last resort? And, uh, you know, I think about in the Bible, you see, you see Paul and Silas in prison, and they're singing hymns, and you know the the jailer ends up getting saved. They could have really been, oh, well, it was me. I can't believe I'm in this nasty prison. I'm sure it was horrible conditions, mm. but that's not what they're doing. I mean, when I think of they're they're singing hymns they're and singing, I mean, man. just think about that. Somebody in prison that should be a miserable experience, and they're redeeming it for God, mm. and 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 not only that, but sharing it with others. Or you see in I think it's Acts chapter 15 where the gospels. Uh, are the gospels disciples 
get beat and they mm. counted as joy for sharing the gospel or I think mm. of Joseph's story mm. you know Joseph got sold into slavery by his brothers the guy accused of bad things by Potiphar's wife got thrown in prison and then with the baker and the cupbearer and then they forgot about him I know man. and then oh, I and, love that story but those are so it's like yeah, he gets bad break but, after bad break but then what does he do but then he he rises back mm-hmm. to, the, to the second command and then he is, his brothers the same ones that sold him into slavery come before him and he just he's, he just loves mm-hmm. to see him and he has he forgives them and just wants to see his father and I don't think that all you look at everything you went through it'd been so easy to be bitter to be mad at the world For because sure. man I don't think very many of us have had our brothers sell us into slavery mm-hmm. and or in all the other stuff too but mm-hmm. it I mean Based on what I see in Scripture, I don't think that Joseph rose back to these positions by being grumbling, by being mm, miserable. That's he, a great point. He was taking it at whatever, wherever he was, he was taking it and redeeming it for it God's is, glory. That is a great picture of just contentment and joy, no matter the circumstances. Because you're right, there's no way. I mean, one of the things that makes me the, the maddest in life is if you get accused of something that you know you're innocent of. Like, you know, I remember being in high school and I had never been in a fight in high school. And in, we were on the practice field. And somebody, I don't even know how or what the context was, but I remember someone had accused me. And I knew I had not done that. And they were saying I did. And man, I got so mad. We, I remember it, we never fought, but people, it was the kind of, you know, you, people are pulling you back and stuff. I was so mad about that. you know, And that was dumb of me to respond that way. It's like, but I, my point to that is he was accused and then punished as if he did do it for something he knew he was innocent of. My goodness, the way, there's no way, you're right, what a great observation to say. He had to be content uh, from brothers selling him to slavery. He's falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. He, he takes care of the cupbearer. He's like, hey, just just remember me, you know, and then the dude forgets. I think it's two years, two years longer. After it. There's no way he's, man, you know, that is such a great observation. And, you know, what, what's going through his mind and heart is it has to be joy and contentment. He was at peace with God. He brought nothing to this world. He, he knew he could take nothing out of it. And I think, I know for me, do you, I don't know if you identify with this, but I know for me, I can have moments in time where I remember that. And then slowly the enemy can creep thoughts into my mind where I forget that. I feel like part of the challenge of life is as you go through life, we have to constantly remind ourselves of these truths because no matter the circumstances, it's easy to forget these things. Well, I think that that you you mentioned something earlier about keeping it simple. I mean, mm. the the gospel's simple, but we complicate it. And yeah. so I think think the simpler we can keep it, and the more direct we can keep our focus and not muddy the waters, it's going to be easier to stay there. Mm. Um, because you know, there's a there's a great book by Randy Alcord called Heaven, and there's a spot in there where he I talks like that book. he talks about the dot versus the never ending line. Mm. The dot is this is our time on earth. This never-ending line is eternity. But mm. we spend all our time often thinking about this little dot when it, instead of focusing on eternity. Mm-hmm. And when we can can keep our mindset on eternity mm. versus our current circumstances, it's so much easier to be joyful and content. Well, and I know that helps me, like, you know, to the point of when you're in a rough situation. And at some point, all of us are going to be. That's the world we live in. And one of those two things are happening. Either we're going to do something stupid, someone else is going to do something stupid, or the fact that the world's just broken and we're dealing with something in a broken world that had nothing to do with anybody. It was just a consequence of sin from the garden. And I do think I'm with you, man. There have been moments in my life where 
the only thing that gave me hope that allowed me to have uh, contentment and joy was the fact that I knew that, that, that I'm a child of God, that at some point uh, I get to go to heaven and be with him forever. And then timing wise, who knows when, when that happens, but it's at some point uh, Jesus is also going to come back and put everything into his rightful place. And I love that. You know, I think that's really helpful for me. And, and I would love your perspective too. You know, when we think of joy, because joy is sometimes being happy and you've got a smile on your face and you're just not, you know, there's also this uh, picture of joy in the scriptures. That's the, the joy uh, is inexplainable, inexpressible. The inex, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Oh, where is that? I'll have to look that one up too. But my point is, you know, to your point of the, the, the Webster definition falling a little short, I agree, right? Like there's a spiritual side to this, that joy goes beyond just this outward thing. There is an inner thing that happens, which I love how we've approached this question with joy and contentment. Cause I think those things are so tied right together, but, but that there is a joy that if it, that if it's in Christ, that, you know, it, it means that, that even in sadness, there is a joy there that's not happy. It's not a happy joy. And I don't, I love, I, I'm just confessing to you. It's a mysterious joy. It's a mysterious because inexpressible to me means you can't explain it. You can't express that kind of joy. Yeah. Some of them are like, you know, happiness. If I, maybe this isn't on sorrow, but like if I give you $20, that'd probably make you happy. Sure. But that's probably not going to be joyful. Uh, that's, but, yeah. but think about. Were you joyful when your kids were born? Oh, yeah. And now compare, we get, you know, there's a different level there yeah. of joy. And and on the thing of sorrow, I think about uh, my grandfather grew up and never never got saved. But he got saved when he was in his mid-80s. Wow. And probably about a year and a half before he had a massive stroke and wasn't the same and died a couple years later. But when he got saved, it was evident. It was mm. the the joy. He, want, he was reading his Bible when I went to visit him. He's mm. wanting to talk about his Bible. And... Then you go to sorrow, and I think about his funeral, and I think mm. about because my grandpa kind of was kind of like my dad, and so mm. I spent a lot of time mm. with him. And the older I get, the more I realize what a gift that was. Mm. And mm. in the sorrow of knowing that he's gone, you know that that I'm not going to see him on earth again, is the joy of knowing that he came to know Jesus mm. as his personal Lord mm. and Savior. So even though there's the sorrow and sadness, I have the joy. So there's a joy inexpressible. Maybe here. in the in the sorrow. Is there, if you don't have hope, can you have joy? Because the hope for eternity and knowing that this is not all there is here on earth, and the hope of that can give you joy and sorrow of knowing that uh, this is not this is not the end of the story. So that verse I was thinking about was 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, speaking of Jesus, you believe in him, I believe and trust in him and you are filled with a glorious, uh, inexpressible and glorious joy. First Peter one, eight. And I just really, um, appreciate this conversation because I need it in my life. I need to be reminded of the big picture. You know, you spoke to that eternity and I feel like when we're dealing with really gut wrenching things, you know, that are really hard. Sometimes that's the only thing that's there. That's the thing that we're hanging on to that at some point, even the sin we spoke about at some point, like that's going to be done away with. Like he's going to, 
um, accomplish his, his purpose and, and, and wipe it away once and for all. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. Right. So in circumstances where I'm dealing with things that, you know, I, I think we could even tackle all three of those. Uh, if I sin and it has consequences in my life, the joy I have is that I, that God, I'm his child and he loves me. He cares for me. Uh, he also takes sin seriously. So he, you know, I've got to deal with this. I've got to deal with it and I've got to accept the responsibility of consequences in my life and try to make it right. If it's someone else, um, then I've got to, I have the opportunity, right. To display love and forgiveness and have those hard conversations. And, and if it's something that the world is just broken in and it's a loved one who died unexpectedly that I didn't see coming and, and there's no explanation for it, then my only joy and contentment is the fact that there's a much bigger picture to your point that it's not just about the here and now there is an eternity that's happening. I'm caught up somewhere in that history on the side of history where after Jesus has come to the earth, he died, he was resurrected and he's waiting to return again. I'm somewhere in that. And then there'll be this line that you spoke to for all of eternity. That's healthy for me. Right. And it's healthy for me even when life is good and things are great um, because it helps me remember that, you know, life, life is uh, bigger than just me and it's bigger than just what's happening right now. And it helps me to have that perspective, to have contentment and joy uh, that's inexpressible. I like how the Bible, I don't know. Do you feel like that, that? Okay. So here's, here's something that's been on my mind and tell me what you think about this. There are these parts of scripture where you see the phrase, we see it. I believe in first John and in one of the gospels where Jesus says that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And he uses that word complete. And that's really fascinating to me that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So that's obviously the purpose. John, John 15. Okay. He says, as the father has loved me, so I've loved you. So now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So here's the mystery part of that, that I'm asking you. What does it mean? That, okay. Cause it's two different things that my joy may be in you. Right. And that your joy may be complete which it kind of gives this implication like, and, and maybe it's just to the fact that, that it is possible as a child of God that I can be discontent, that I can lack joy. That's possible, right? So is it speaking that it's kind of like, it's, it almost hints at like the John 10, 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full, right? Like, you know, is it, you know, how, how, how can our joy be incomplete? How do we have that complete joy Jesus is talking about? That's a little mysterious to me. I'm asking you, Will. I yeah. need you to break it down for me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the uh, Well, I don't know. Maybe I kind of see it as that my joy may be in you. And mm. when my my the joy of Christ is in you, it is complete. Mm. Because without Christ, there is no joy. That's good. And so, you know, discontentment comes from, you know, a our lack of joy in Christ, a lot of things, because it's not going to come by being discontentment. It's not going to become by being in Christ. It's going to mm. be by being in the things of the world. And so I kind of see that as, as that when Christ joy is in us, it will be complete, but without him, mm. it will never be complete. That's good, man. I think that, you know, there's some, um, practically I'd love to ask you just if, if you, if someone's listening and they don't feel content, 
right? They don't feel joy. What would you recommend to them? What are some practical things they could do right now today? Hey, here, I'm, I'm, I don't feel, and I, and, and Hey, we ask them, look, do you know Jesus? And they say, I'm a hundred percent sure I've got a relationship with God. So let, let's just assume that they've, they've made that decision for Christ. They are a child of God. They're a hundred percent confident, not by their own works, but by the gift of God. Right. So they've received the gift of God in Christ, but they're struggling. They feel like they're not content. They don't have joy. What's something they can do? Well, and you know, I mentioned it earlier, but getting God's word, number one. Okay. I mean, consistently. Okay. Uh, Number two, stay connected to fellow believers. Okay. Uh, you know, you know the old saying, "Misery loves company." If you get <laughs> if you get around people who are not in who are not seeking the Lord, it's probably not going to be a, some good godly fellowship. It's probably not going to be good godly accountability. It's probably mm. going to be pointing you to the things of the world and not the the things of the Lord. Mm. So seek out discipleship and accountability. And you know, it's not always fun, but. I've got friends in my life that speak truth to me, and I know that's not always what I want to hear because we're all going to fall. The Bible says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, so that includes mm-hmm. you and me and everyone listening to this. So we need to have people in our lives that will speak godly truth, and we got you know to have our best interest at heart that are fellow believers in Christ who are hold us to God's standard. And you know, um, it's kind of like having a guardrail in life. You got to have you know if I'm going up a mountain, you know we view. Uh, we don't, but the world views Christian living is restrictive and mm. not fun and boring. And But if you're going up a mountain and you have a guardrail, what's that guardrail there for? Is mm. it to keep you from having fun or is it to keep you safe and to keep you on track? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, if we get offline, it'll kind of knock us back in and having that accountability and seeking it out because it's not always fun because we have to be vulnerable. We have to be honest. So seek, don't be scared to... Uh, I, you know, to share with others what you're struggling with, because mm, the devil can so good. really, when he isolates us, like I feel like you see all the problems with coronavirus right now, where people, churches were shut down, and you saw all these problems with uh, drug addiction, alcoholism, mm-hmm. pornography, uh, you know, child abuse, just shooting up. That yep. When we isolate ourselves from others, that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And so seek out others and uh like I said, seek out discipleship and accountability. Another thing I'd say that one thing that's really helped Mallory and I and is actually two, uh, four years ago Tuesday, we got rid of our television. Mm. And it was just, it's not, it's not for everybody, but for yeah. me, it's something that I feel convicted that was a really good decision for us now. And, mm. and she was a big part of that because there's nothing really that that <laughs> in there that's coming out. Just I think we, we lose track of the little things we take in. Uh, you know, how they come out and how they affect us, sometimes we don't even realize. And uh, so, you know, limit your your media and screen time because Mm. most of the time it's not going to be something that helps to sanctify us. I'm Mm. not saying that there's everything's bad, but there's you got to be careful with that because it's too often we just spend an hour or two or more a day on our phones or watching television. And I think we that if we could use a little bit of that time to spend time with the Lord, it would really, over time, sustain us better. And uh, and then the perspective, you know, I mean, materially, at least we mm. are 2020 America is about as blessed materially as you'll ever see. Mm. And the things a lot of the things that we we uh, let bother us are very material, very shallow and kind of what I talked about with the dot versus the line. And so try to always have a heart of gratitude instead of, you know, like I said, instead of focusing on what you don't have, be thankful mm-hmm. for what you do. And so um, I really think that 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 uh, those are probably some things that That's I would good. recommend. 
Well, and you said something I think that's probably worth us emphasizing, which is I know some people make the mistake of if it doesn't if it doesn't make them happy, then they run from it or they avoid it. And, you know, you spoke to a key element of contentment and joy, which is correction. Sometimes from God and me and his word, sometimes he uses people to do it. You spoke about the significance of fellowship and having people in your life who are willing to ask hard questions and not just always patching the shoulder. Like, Hey, no, no. Hey, what's going on? Like, Hey, tell me about this, man. This is concerning to me. I'm kind of, this, this could potentially harm you down the road. If you let this fester, if you let this grow, like we got to deal with this, how can I help you? This has got to be dealt with. This is dangerous. You know, it makes me think of the proverb. I cannot think of it. I want to say 25 one, but I don't think that's it. He who stiffens his neck uh, at rebuke, like over many, I'm going to paraphrase it. He who stiffens his, his arm at rebuke over many times will soon be broken beyond repair, right? That's a paraphrase version because I don't have that one memorized. But the idea of that is part of this. <clears throat> that's that's the tension here is that that sometimes we think of contentment and joy. We just want this blissful, happy life. We picture us, I don't know, man, frolicking through the grass and like never a care in the world. It's like the craziness of, of the mystery of the love of God to me is that joy and contentment can find you in the middle of anything. So your question of, of no, how do I have joy and contentment no matter the circumstances? Your answer of Christ is enough is the answer. Because if I'm, if I'm focused on that and I really do cling to that, then regardless of what I'm dealing with, I can embrace it in that deep, that I want to emphasize that inexpressible joy. Nobody's happy with being rebuked or corrected. That's never fun. And yet God's word, we see examples throughout scripture of being open to that, not only from people, but from God's word. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures God breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may thoroughly equip for every good work. Well, it all sounds good except for that old correcting and rebuking. It's like, wait, well, it does what? You know, that uh, Hebrews 4.12 for the word of God is living active. It, it you know, uh, sharper than double-edged sword. It's penetrating, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's like, man, I'm, I'm good with God's word, like making me feel good. But wait a second. Are you telling me there's going to be times that I'm reading the God's word and it's going to judge me? That it's going to rebuke me? This is going to correct me. See, I think this is where a lot of people miss out on joy and contentment. They've made the mistake. They thought that this whole thing was going to always make them feel good. They forgot that there are going to be times in life where God gets in your face in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a sense. And that word is going to rebuke you and it's going to correct you and it's going to call you on your sin. And you've got to choose what you do with it. But what I love about what you're communicating is that is joy and contentment that Christ is enough. And in the midst of him showing me how ugly my sin is, I can still have joy and contentment, right? That's part of the process. But somewhere along the lines, we miss that. Somewhere along the lines, we got caught up in forgetting that this is a part of the process. This is part of of life with God. And it's a beautiful thing if we have the proper perspective and if we have the proper understanding of who God is and what he wants for our life. I also think of uh, what's the verse, uh, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, see this, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness for those who are loved and trained by it. It's talking about how God, does God not discipline his children? Is God not love it? This is a part of it. And yet so many people, when they think of joy, they, they forget that, that I love how we're tackling this because it's not, it's not always the feel good stuff. 
it's not always that. I have to embrace the stuff that doesn't always feel good. And I have to understand that this is a part of the process. And who God is, his father is, yes, he's loving. He is also correcting. He, he To your point of the guardrail, he also loves me enough to show me that there are things that are going to happen in my life and that I allow in my mind and heart that if I'm not careful, the Genesis, right, when he's telling Cain, Cain's about to go kill his brother. He says, look, sin desires, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you like that. This is, this is part of who God is, is loving and, and joy and contentment comes in the midst of him correcting and rebuking me. Or if a brother in Christ, if you see something in my life and you come to me and say, Hey, Justin, I see this in your life and I'm concerned for you because I'm looking at God's word and I don't see how this lines up, man. I'm, I'm worried. What's my response? If it's, if, if I understand it properly, then I'm going to, as Proverbs also says, you know, you, a wise man loves someone who's willing to, to say that, right? Like, thank you, Will. Help me. Well, you think about, about, you know, when we're talking about discipline, what would happen if you never disciplined your children? Oh, man. Uh, or if we didn't get disciplined as children, what would yeah. happen? I mean, I don't think that that would, that would be the best way to, to, to raise a child or yep. produce, you know, yep. you got to, you got to correct them. You got to yep. rebuke them. And I, we're children of God. And, you know, we like to think that we're adults, but we're not, we're not sinless. And mm. so when it comes to God's word, we're going to have to be disciplined sometimes. And it's not mm. fun. Like you say, when a brother comes to you and says something, you know, we got to be humble enough to look at what God's word says and you say, you know what? I fell short mm. and I missed the mark. And, and, uh, and you're right, and that's not a that's not fun. I mean, that doesn't. It's not ever fun to admit you made a mistake, no, admit you were wrong, but all. it is healthy. But if you understand the if okay, so that Hebrews verse, a no discipline seems pleasant at the time. That's admitting that that's not fun. That's you're not going to be happy. You're not going to smile about that. Like that's not pleasant. Later on, however, I love that phrase. Later on, however, so if you can trust the process, okay, I don't like what's happening right now, but I know on the other side of this, it's going to be good. And I'm going to trust that process. That is joy and contentment. Because what you're admitting is, I I don't like what's happening right now, but I know on the other side, it's good. And I'm going to trust that. And that process, I think, applies to rebuke in our life. Uh, Also hard things that had nothing to do with, with something dumb we did or someone we loved. It's just part of life. Like I can trust that on the other side. And even if that other side is, if I have to wait till heaven to get there, because let's be honest, there are some situations that are extremely difficult that people are facing right now. And their only hope may be, you know what, at some point this will be fixed and it might, I might have to wait till heaven, but I know it's going to, I know on that side of things it will be. And, you know, I think that's another mistake we make with joy and contentment is we feel like, you know, we just want all the problems to go away. You know, it's like, oh, if God would only like remove all these hard things in my life, when the beauty of him is he gives you joy and contentment in the midst of all the hard things. To your point earlier of all the stories in Acts where people are in prison and being beat up for the gospel and beat, I said beat ups probably, no, they were being nearly killed. Yeah, it's probably right? a lot like, more than just a exactly, little Exactly, yeah, yeah, they, they took more than that. And yet, joy and contentment. How? I think they trusted the process. They knew, look, even if I spend my whole life getting beat up, at some point I'm going to be with Jesus forever, and I'm going to be so glad I spent my life doing these things. Yeah, I think, you're right. I think there's times where we, as humans, can't understand everything, but we have to know that Christ is enough, God is in control, and trust that he's God and we're not, mm-hmm. and that 
you know, we may not understand here on earth and it may not make sense. Like you mentioned cancer earlier. It just seems so horrible to, to, and just unpredictable and like just hard to get your mind around. But I, at the end of the day, I got to keep my focus on Christ and know Mm. that God is in control and there's just some things I'm not going to understand and I'm still going to have to trust in him that he's got it. That's right. Well, man, I appreciate you so much coming on the podcast today. And, you know, I, I hope and pray that if, if you're listening to this and you've been encouraged and and maybe, um, uh, you know, if there's someone that came to mind, again, please share this episode. I appreciate Will's perspective on this and I'm grateful for him. Will, is there anything else that you had that you just that you didn't get to share that you want to be sure to, to tell our listeners? No, I just say, like I mentioned, I can't stress enough, spend time with God every day and don't look at it as if you're going to flip the switch on joy. It's going mm. to be a process of continually drawing closer to the Lord, continually having new insights from Scripture and spending time with Him. And if you're not seeking out biblical accountability, I would strongly encourage you to do that because it's, you know, sin is going to steal our joy and time with drawing closer to the Lord is going to bring us joy. So mm. when you can when you can uh, help to to be accountable for the sin in your life and, and start weeding that out, it's going to it's gonna increase your joy and, and contentment dramatically. Well, thank you. I am taken from this conversation. Christ is enough. And if I'm discontent, Christ is enough. I got to be reminded of that. I brought nothing in this world. I'm going to take nothing out of it. It may not feel pleasant right now if guys are rebuking me, correcting me, but you know what? Later on, however, um, I know that at some point, um, no matter what, no matter my circumstances, I can have that mysterious, and I'm going to call it mysterious just because I feel like it is. It's like the Philippians one when he's talking about worry and what to do with it. He's like, pray, give it to God, and then what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. See, that's it doesn't make sense. Right, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to be able to have joy and contentment in the midst of crazy situations, and yet God allows us to. It's a mysterious joy. It's inexpressible. As First Peter one eight said, "I like that. I like thinking about that. Or what that looks like." Um, and so I just appreciate you coming on today and just talking about this question. I think it's fantastic. It's been really encouraging to my heart, and I hope and pray it has to you as the listeners as well. And so again, if you've got somebody you want to send this to, please share it. Uh, we want to encourage them as well on how they can have joy and contentment no matter their circumstances. Well, that's it for today. I'm so grateful for you listening in. Until next time, I'm Justin Myrick, encouraging you to stay connected to church, connected to each other, and most importantly, connected to the God we love and serve. God bless.